Good morning, RCC family. And for those of you who are tuning in for the very first time, we're so happy that you're here with us. Welcome to church. As always, we are loving all of the photos and the videos of you guys having church, and we would love to have you continue to participate. The way that you can do that is you can tag us at River City Church ATL, or you can use our hashtag RCC Church Everywhere. Seeing your faces helps us feel way more connected. So again, that hashtag is gonna be RCC Church Everywhere. Another great way to interact with our service is to use our service guide. It's going to have all of the text to use in the sermon, all of our worship lyrics, discussion questions, and some other great things to get you through the week. You can find that on our Facebook page and our prayer wall. If you would like to receive prayer, you can do so at prayer at rivercitysmyrna.com. If you have a need, be it big or small, financial or otherwise, we would love to be there to support you. And you can do so at needs at rivercitysmyrna.com. Finally, if you would like to give, if you've been impressed in this season, we greatly appreciate it. You can do so by following or by going to rivercitysmyrna.com slash giving. Follow the drop tabs and give to the area that you feel called to. Now we'll begin our service with our morning psalm, and today's passage is taken from Psalm 118, or page 3 on your service guide. The psalm says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now proclaim, his mercy endures forever. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter them. I will offer thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. He who is righteous may enter. I will give thanks to you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The same stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day, the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, Lord, Hosanna. Lord, send us now success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Lord, God is the Lord, and he has shined upon us. Form a procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will thank you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Father God, you are a God that is merciful and kind. And Lord, today on Palm Sunday, we just love to be able to celebrate you and the work that you've done on the cross. Lord, I bless everyone here today. I bless everyone with their families. Help us just to have a mind and a heart of Christ. Lord, we pray that your spirit comes and makes us able to receive your message today. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, River City. Uh, we are going to start Prayers of the People. So I want to invite you in your homes to pray with me this morning for our community. It says in Matthew 21, which is one of the lectionary verses for this week, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And God, this morning we are praying, God, to Hosanna, which means praise and adoration to the Savior and Helper. And God, we're acknowledging today that you are the Savior, that you are the Helper. God, that you are helping those who are in need, and you know those people who are in need. So we are praying that, God. Hosanna, would you awaken in us the humility to serve? wherever creation is broken and in need, that we may follow in the way of our brother Jesus. Die as he did to all that separates us from you, and with him be raised to new life. God, we're praying for the universal church, its members, and its mission. We're praying for all of our brothers and sisters that are suffering from the virus around the world. God, that you would 
bring these Christians to healing and unity, God, as we are suffering together. God, we're praying for the increased persecution due to the perception that no one will notice. God, especially uh, the suffering Christians in Palestine. God, we know that they're in need. And God, we pray that you would put an end to the persecutions. Or God, would you make your word go forth, God, in the midst of the persecution. God, we're praying, God, and asking and saying thank you for showing us what is most important. God, that people are at the center of your mission. God, it's not about Sunday services, but God, you're showing us who the people are that are in greatest need and how we're able to step in. God, we repent for losing sight of the simple call to love you and love our neighbors as ourselves. God, we pray that you would return us to our first love. God, and show us who you are in the midst of these trials. Hosanna in the highest. Come low as you always do. For our world and all those in it, God, we thank you for the gift of the world, the trees, the sunshine, the rain, the harvest that's coming, the animals, the food production. God, we notice these gifts, and we pray that you would empower us to steward them well and show us in this season how to take care of your world. For all of our political leaders across the earth, God, that they would have wisdom to do what is best for all people. And we're praying for the food-hungry and day laborers across our world, that you would provide a means by which people can sustain their lives. Hosanna in the highest. Come low as you always do. For the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. God, with the news of the shelter in place in Georgia, God, we're very thankful for all of our essential laborers in our city and county. God, for our service employees and healthcare professionals, for the first responders and transportation workers. God, we're thankful for the sacrifices and the risks that they're taking to protect our safeties and ways of life. And we pray that you would bless them for their sacrifices. God, we pray for those who think no one will notice when they pilfer hospital supplies, buy up and hoard goods needed by carers, nurses, doctors, ambulance workers, and others. God, we pray that you'd put an end to that injustice, God, and that we would be sharing resources together just as you've taught us. And we're praying for the unemployed and the small business owners, both in our community and beyond that you would be our provider in this season. Now we're praying for the news of schools that are closing for the full school year. God, that you would draw families closer together during the season, not further apart. We're praying for food-hungry people. God, we're thankful for the work being done by the city of Smyrna, by Tillman House and Must Ministries. God, empower us and give us the bravery to take the risks needed to help those who are less fortunate. Hosanna in the highest, come low as you always do. For the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it, God, those who are particularly vulnerable in our community to the virus, we pray that you'd protect their health. God, for those feeling isolated and lonely this week, God, that you would bring people in our minds that we can meet their needs. We continue to pray for Ann Bennett's health. God, restore her body. God, for Susan Coley's friend, Cecilia, and her mother, God, we're praying that the doctors would have wisdom and that there would be peace in the family no matter what happens. God, we're thankful for the health, for our families, for our communities, and that we are not alone. God, we're thankful for those in our community that have birthdays this month. God, we pray that you would meet those needs that they have and that they would have bravery and courage to speak them out to you and to others. Hosanna in the highest come low as you always do. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, River City family. Happy Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Coming at you again from the church. And I received more feedback last week than I have probably in the entire time that I've been preaching. And the overwhelming response was, Josh, could you please try and be funnier? And I can almost assure you that that is impossible at this point. So I'm going to do my best for Rachel Lunger, for Shante Jackson, and for all those others who asked me to be that. But I probably will not succeed. But I want to start first by giving you a quick update and announcement for Holy Week into Good Friday into Easter. You might have heard previously that we've decided to do a joint Good Friday service with Square Church, which we will be broadcasting next Friday night on Good Friday. But we're also doing something a little different than that in this season to celebrate uh, the week, not to really to celebrate, to contemplate the week, and that is the Stations of the Cross in the city. And we've been reading through the new ordinances that are required, and it looks like this still falls within the framework of something that can be done under a walk with your family. So we're going to be setting up these Stations of the Cross outside our church here and outside the Square Church, and then setting up times for people to visit where other people are not around between Wednesday and Saturday. So it'll be a lot like a walk with your family, but you can actually go through the Stations of the Cross. Be on the lookout for more information about that. We're really excited that we get to at least practice something like we would normally do in our prayer week, which would be starting on Monday. So uh, be in prayer about that. Be on the lookout for that. Today, I wanted to just continue with the hashtags, which um, seem to be important. We have narrowed it down to three main hashtags for Easter. It is Game of Thorns, Manger Things, amen, yeah, <laughs> and also Old Town Road to Emmaus. So we're going to let you guys decide what you'd like it to be, and we will definitely choose the most selected one. Actually, we're just going to call it Easter. That's what we're going to do. Hashtag Easter for Easter this year. Um, Really quickly today, it's, it's been hard to not be with you, and I think I'm getting to the spot in this journey where I'm starting to recognize the things I'm really missing, especially here at church. At some point in service, hearing Jason Hamill scream out loud, or watching Marilyn walk around and hug people, or having Rich walk over and give me another magazine to read for the week, or my 75 awkward hugs with you guys, or whatever strange things happen in our service, I've definitely started to miss these. I've started to kind of settle into our new normal, even at home, right? The common things for us now are Zoom and virtual, and a strange common thing is that there's actually no sports right now. There's no sports to watch unless you want to watch somebody compile a list about something that means nothing or something that happened last year. And I think this is an interesting one for me because this is a thing I spent a lot of my time on, but now all of these things are taken away. You can't travel. You can't go out much, you're not watching sports, and so it's leaving us with this space that's becoming a new normal where we can actually be thankful, we can be aware of the needs around us, we can step into things differently, we can go on walks with our family, which I'm loving, but I just want to say to you, as we go into today, Palm Sunday, the opportunities that are being presented to us are bountiful, and they are here, and we are in a season, and I'm certain now, more than ever, that God is with us in this season, and that he understands what's happening, and that he is still powerful. And so I just want to encourage you today, before we start, 
that God is with us, he's powerful, and he's not going anywhere. And so if you just need to take a moment in your living room and just remember that, as scary as it seems, as the stories break on the news, as we hear of people getting sick, as people are being laid off, God is still working. He's still very active. He's here with us now. It looks different, and it's scary, but he's with us. And so today I'm going to read to you Matthew 21, 1 through 11, and I'm going to talk to you about Palm Sunday, which is at the beginning of Holy Week, going into Good Friday and Easter. And this week is anything but settling, even for the people that the story was written about and at the time is very discombobulating. They go into this thinking, we're celebrating this Messiah. We think we know who he is into, oh my gosh, what's happening to this Messiah? Why is he behaving this way? Into, oh my gosh, what are they doing to the Messiah? Why is this happening? Into, the Messiah is gone. Into, the Messiah has resurrected what? Into, what do we do with that? So this week is anything but putting us at ease. It's discombobulating. There's praise, there's celebration, there's fear, there's agony, there's loss, there's dreams dying, there's new dreams being birthed, but it's discombobulating. It's a lot like where we're at. And so as we read this, I think we're probably at a truer spot like this than we've ever been. And so you can open up to Matthew 21, 1 through 11, and I'll read it to you. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. If you guys would, don't cut, just keep going. I missed a part of this and I'm just going to keep reading. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And now we shall pray. So Father, I just want to say I can almost sense and feel and hear the invitations of your spirit to each of us through this text. So eerily similar in our misunderstandings of what's about to happen, what could happen, what's the future going to look like, how can this work out, that we're drawn into this story in such a real way. My prayer is that even as we sit with our families or listen to this in an office, that we are allowing ourselves to be present with you as you are present with us. Because we know, God, when we read these words, this sacred text, it is not just a flat reading. We are being invited into an active, lively conversation with the Holy Spirit and the power of God about Jesus the Christ. 
And even here, you're inviting us to hear something. So help us to notice, God, what stirs in our being as we hear these words. What are you speaking to the depths of us as you spur us on, God, to live in these times? What are you showing us about Palm Sunday and Holy Week and Good Friday and yes and amen, Easter? What are you saying to us, Jesus? Amen. So I want to start just by saying, I've already said I want to start like seven times. So at this point, we've started a lot. So let's just get into it. And I'm going to do that. So to start, he sends two people forward, kind of confusingly, into a city to go and get two animals. So for us, this doesn't make sense because nobody's going anywhere to get two animals. This would be similar to somebody going to, I don't know, Atlanta and showing up at someone's house and saying, I'm here for your Ford F-150 and for your Kia Soul. And if you don't believe that, the Lord has told me to tell you they're for him. And so it's confusing, right? Like he's sending these people into a place they've never been. There's no community there. There's no relationships built. There's no people of peace. There's no next of kin. They're just going blindly into a place that they've never had to go before. And I know that Jesus is with, and I understand that. But here it's as if Jesus is sending them ahead, almost like he did through the power of God to John the Baptist to prepare the way. These people are being sent forward and kind of having to navigate. Jesus is still back there. They're walking and you want us to go do this? I imagine their conversations are probably something like, well, what if this is kind of strange and what if they say they don't want us to take them? We don't get that part of it, but I get the sense that as they're walking, they're confronting within themselves how awkward this might be. This is a place we have not been yet. We've been in fields with Jesus and seen him do things there. We've seen him multiply loaves. We've seen him heal even demoniacs. We know the power of Jesus. And when we're with him, things happen. We're now being told to go ahead of him where he's behind us and do something for him in a place that he will be, right? They're being sent ahead. This is interesting for us because... Right now, I kind of think collectively the entire body of Christ globally are a lot like these two people. We've been sent into something to do things that don't make sense, to prepare the way for Jesus to be in those places, but not really having any clue how it might turn out. Just being sent ahead. It's going to be okay. Is it going to be okay? No, go, go ahead. I'm telling you, if someone asks why you're there, just say that I sit you. I really believe the body of Christ is like these two people. But in this story, this is just the beginning. In this season, in this scene, the crowds are at an almost uproar, and the anticipation of the Messiah is so strong that people have attached to Jesus all of these historical expectations. And so even before Jesus gets to the city, the crowd also goes before him. You don't see this previously in the text. Jesus is typically going ahead and people are following. He's even calling people by name and saying, come and follow me. Here, people are going before him. It's almost like unbridled excitement about what he might do. And why is this happening? Why are people feeling like this? Well, it's very clear up to this point if you read the text in the gospel specifically, they have fell in love 
with who the person of Jesus is. They have seen Jesus actually heal people, not just heard about something that was refuted. They have seen with their own eyes. They've sat in circles with him and heard words that had such power. How could any man speak with this wisdom? They've seen Jesus speak into them life. They've seen their personal morale go from defeated and this won't end well to, oh my goodness, it's going to, it's going to end well. And all of these people now have collected and gone before him and they know he's entering the city, right? Our Messiah, he's about to come in. This is actually almost considered like the communal confession that Christ is Lord even before he does what he does. All of them are saying Hosanna, which in a lot of descriptions means save us. And you can say Hosanna, save us, whether you believe he's about to conquer your enemies or whether you feel like you're the enemy being conquered. Hosanna, right? Hosanna, save us, save us. Here, they're still just anticipating. He is about to come and break bad on people. And they're excited, right? And so it gets confusing for this community when he comes. And it's a lot like a theological parody. He shows up and he has definitely put thought into this. Whether through prayer and just listening to his father, he definitely does things that draws attention to himself to see the way he's doing things. And as he enters the city on these animals, everyone is there. All eyes on Jesus, right? All I can think about is the rapper Tupac when I, when I say the phrase, all eyes on me. But it's, it's that. All eyes on Jesus. The religious leader, somebody gave the description. It's almost like the religious authorities are entering the city from a different perspective. And Jesus is on this perspective. And there's gonna be a battle. And the winner of the battle will take all. But they're all converging on this city. The Messiah is coming. Some are afraid. Some, oh my gosh, yes. Jesus resolved, right? And he enters and people are celebrating. All eyes on Jesus. And then the great shift happens. And everyone who was there that had a previous notion about what he would do for them begins to fade away. It's beautiful. It's genius. There's, there would have not been a better way to do this. was not the idea. I guess I'll have to do this if I finally want to win. This is the win. This is him saying, you think the win is just when I'm raised from the dead. This is actually part of that. The Palm Sunday, the Holy Week, the Good Friday, all of it is the narrative. I kind of, I had a conversation with Sarah this week. I was like, Palm Sunday to me is confusing in a lot of ways because we're really focusing on people just walking around with branches and having our kids. And really Palm Sunday for most people is like, our kids are gonna walk around the service. Mine are gonna do stuff that's probably inappropriate. I'm gonna get onto them, but make it look like I'm not because I can't do that in front of people. But what is it? And it's this simple entrance into the way that he would present his gospel. This is the way that he would have a procession. This is the way that he would say, look at me. And he does it in a way that says, look at me now because what I'm about to do is not what you think it should be. And he does it so that all the other competing kingdoms and king, kings have to come to the surface. Because he does it this way, it allows in each of us the things that we thought should happen to not happen. And instead of standing over there, thousands of miles away, hearing about the story, they're watching it real time, having to focus on it real time because it directly impacts them. And he wants it to, right? He didn't just kind of do it this way just to get there. This was the way. He needed all the other kings to surface to see 
you are not like the real king. And then it happens. He gets closer into the city. He starts to speak the way, it starts getting through Holy Week, less and less people desire to see what Jesus is doing. Because it looks less like the version of Jesus that's about to restore the things that need to be restored. It looks more like the Jesus that's being defeated by the same things that are already defeating us. And really what's at play is he's showing people this version of the king. And this is where I could rant. And I don't want to rant, but I'm going to. It would be great if we could read the text or the gospels or hear the story or see the passion of the Christ and not impose upon that story our own ideas of what he has to be. It's impossible. There's no person who will ever hear this story that does not have to interact with the king that you think Jesus should be and the king that you think he is. And no one's first instinct is the king that he is because that's not our flesh. Self-sacrifice, dying on a cross, not getting what, just the simplest things right now. Our 401ks, our houses, our payments, our cars. Oh goodness, we might not have our multiple cars. All of these things, just the simple surface level things, as they fade away, it gets to the deeper level things. What is the purpose of the gospel? What is the purpose of why Jesus did this? Is it just to show that he can beat other kings? That's not the purpose of the gospel. It's to show the way that he does this. The gospel is the journey. It's not the end. And the means does, does not get to be trump, trampled on by the end. The means is the gospel. So when we talk about this story, we're talking about Jesus setting into place the gospel. It's brilliant. To be brought low. My friend, Dr. John said, when Jesus shows up, the only response is to be brought low because he's not gonna compete with other high places. He's not gonna do that. So the high places will surface, they'll come against, but Jesus will continue to be the king that came down in a low place. This is the whole gospel. And so you'd think we would get it, right? Like you would think even post-resurrection, like you see this happen, it's so interesting to me. The parody that happens at the beginning of the traveling into the city and all of the crowds are what you think would happen when Jesus is raised from the dead. But it's the simplest, most natural, most slow, most organic, most non-promotional version of the best king arriving ever. It's the exact opposite of how he enters the city. It's some random people stumbling upon what had happened and interacting with it one by one. And it is the message of the gospel being given to a woman of all people who isn't even allowed to speak to men in this culture and then being given to that woman to take the gospel. It's the opposite of a good plan. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It takes the idea of what we think about what to celebrate, right? The king entering to destroy and it turns it on its head. And by the time resurrections happens, you're sitting around thinking, did anybody really get this? Who is celebrating right now? And Jesus is almost as if he's saying, take some time. This has to settle in. It doesn't just come by watching someone win, right? So you'd think we'd get it. We're 2,000 years later. You'd think they would have gotten it 20 years later. And so Paul from prison writes a letter to the church at Philippi. And I want to read you this. This is chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. 
And this is after he's kind of walked through in, in chapters one all the way up to this point. Something has began to surface in this community. Yes, there are God-loving people. It actually talks about in chapter one how he celebrates them and he knows that he, they care for him. But he starts to kind of nuance this thing that seems to be surfacing among the Christian leaders. And the thing that's surfacing is there is a high idea of what they should get personally for themselves. Am I being seen? Is my gift being noticed? Are people recognizing the value that I have? When will I get what I receive? Who's, who's greater? Like, who, who is the greatest here, right? He writes this letter to them. And he's trying to show them that discipleship is really a journey. And the journey into it, right, this is what we think. Because this is what he does. Like, he does what he did to the crowd, I see you, I name you, I choose you, I bless you. Those things will make you want me so much. I heal you, I restore you. But then I take a turn and I take that thing that's in you that might raise its head above me and I start to work on it, right? I start to try and help you to alleviate the kings that would rise. And instead of you thinking that when you receive Jesus at Easter, that the whole story and the narrative of the gospel is about you getting what you need for the rest of your life, the truth of the gospel is that you become like Jesus. You take the form of Christ and the life of God through Christ. You put on Christ, as it says. You embody the message of the gospel. And what is Christ if he's not the one who leaves his throne and comes down to put on our skin, to become like us, to be with us, to be even infected by us, even to have to struggle like we would, to walk with us, alongside of us, into the deepest, darkest places. There's no height, depth, width, breadth that he wouldn't to show his love for us. So why would it not be as we receive this gift of the gospel and as we walk into Holy Week that he is inviting us into the same thing? It's not just about us. It's not just about our church. It's not just about our family. It's not just about our finances. It's not just about our health. It's about us embodying and putting on Christ. So I'm going to read you this, what he says to them. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said in their homes, not in unison, amen. And we're not done yet, so I'm going to move forward. All right, so next to kind of bring this together, Christ actually is the perfect embodiment of God's love. I want to read you a quote. This quote is by someone I'm loving this week, Amy Hall. This is kind of long, so settle yourselves. It's going to be okay. Stay with me right here. God's power in the creaturely world is found in utter self-giving to what is not God. God is not in rivalry 
with human agents for glory or majesty. God, the creator of all, is not in competition with creatures for power or resources. Unlike us, God has no position to defend, no personal interests to protect. There is no envy or selfish ambition in the Godhead. Think of that. Accordingly, to be in the form of God is not to exploit one's superior power, but to manifest God's free, dispossessing love. Gregory of Nyssa notes, God's transcendent power is more conspicuously displayed in the lowliness of Christ's incarnation than in all the natural wonders of the universe. If you want to see the clearest picture of God's love, yes, in the trees, yes, on your walks, yes, and just people, but in Christ's incarnation to take the lowly state, it's the embodiment of the actual love of God. Paying highest homage to the risen Christ, to the risen Christ calls forth our allegiance to the generous, equitable, and peaceful order of God's realm. We have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, but we resist, sorry, when we resist ambitious, self-seeking models of power, when we renounce exploitation and loveless indifference, Jesus' resurrection and exaltation have nullified this way of life. That's, he, that's nullified. That's done. That's been taken care of unless we choose to do it differently. In confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, we, we subvert the authority of the lords of privilege and violence. The way of Christ is the way of love. He didn't do, that, do this this way so he could win. The win was that he did it this way. Yes, the death of Christ points to the resurrection of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ points to the death of Christ. They're one in the same story. It's the suffering servant. It's the highest king. There's no version of one without the other. So this week we're being invited into these low places, these hard places, these others are important places, these not just protect our own interest places. And by saying yes to that invitation, we're saying yes to being gospel people. We're saying yes to be incarnate as the body of Christ for Jesus. So how do you know if you're in God's domain? There's a few places in Smyrna when I enter them, I know exactly, you could put a blindfold on me. One of them is a local coffee house. And when I leave this coffee house, I smell like a coffee house. In fact, I went to this coffee house a few weeks ago and then came home and my son Noah said, you've been at the coffee house. And I said, I've been at the coffee house. I smelled like it. When I walk into Waffle House, there's things there. When I go to, used to be Turner Field, now Truist Stadium. I've never actually been to Truist, but I went to the previous named. I know where I'm at. I know all of those sounds. When I'm at the ballpark with my kids, I know the feel. It's such, the environment is rich. How do you know if you're in the domain of the kingdom of God? How do you know if you're in that domain? Servanthood, peaceable, mercy, self-giving, acts of compassion and generosity abound. The journey for a Christ follower is not, how can I receive all that I can from Christ? That is the start and he will do that. But the journey is a journey inward to become outward, to the life of love, to embody Christ. That is the gospel. It's the process. It's not a one-time thing. It's as if 
he's saying at the resurrection, which we'll get to next week. There's not a massive celebration right now because this is a journey. Resurrection is a journey. Resurrection is happening, will continue to happen. You're all being invited into it, and it's not something you build a parade around and celebrate and go home. It's a way of life. You build a parade around the funeral of something, and that's what he was doing as he entered the city. There's a death to all these other kings that are gonna happen by me embodying that and showing you this is the gospel. Me dying for you is the gospel. So he built a procession around that. Look at this. This is the end. And the beginning was a much different story. It's an invitation to a journey. It's an invitation to the Holy Spirit's leading. It's an invitation to a way to be alive in the world. So today, again, no idea how long I just went. So forgive me. I feel like I was short today, though. Maybe I wasn't. I'll just go into part two now. Just kidding, I'm not doing that. In this season for you, we're gonna go into Holy Week. It's gonna, it's gonna be more awkward than it's ever been, especially for us at River City because we do a full-on prayer week that our body really gets into. We're gonna be doing this differently. But our season now, right? What kingdoms are surfacing themselves because the kingdom of Jesus is very at work right now? And he is at work right now. What in your life and your home, what kingdoms are surfacing, surface, what kings are surfacing, surfacing themselves around your dinner tables, right? For me, sports, like I've never in my life gone this many weeks without watching a sporting event. And that is shameful, but I also know that many of the people listening are exactly in the same boat every day. And if it were available now, I guarantee you most of all of us would be just ingesting loads and loads of sports. What kingdoms are bumping into Christ's kingdom that is so self-giving that it sees the other and is willing to die for the other? But not only that, but finds joy in that, that living that life of love is actually more meaningful than just receiving all that I can ever receive from Jesus, right? Like, what is surfacing right now in your life? What dreams feel like they're dying right now? This is a key part of this week that I think is important. He brought all of these kingdoms into this week to show the death of the start of these kingdoms dying. And then right on the tail end of that, all of these other things started to be birthed. All of these other ways to be alive started to be birthed. The real ways. What in this season for you is not only dying, but what new possibilities are being birthed? And for some of us, good Lord, please send us like the two into ways that we've never done this into creativity that we've never used because your kingdom will continue. That's not the question. It's, it's just how it's gonna continue that's the question. And let us be the people that go ahead and you're asking us to do things in places we are just not comfortable with. I don't have any kinship in this season. There's, everybody's experiencing it real time for the first time in our lives. And we're all being sent in and we're all saying, how do we get through this? And when are we gonna return? And it's as if he's saying, I've sent you ahead into this season, not so that you can return, but I'm asking for new creativities. What is it like to be the body of Christ in this? What is it like to love your neighbor in this? What is it like to actually live out this thing with your family, right? Many of you can start to sense those dreams surface and thoughts and your creativity stirring. Be like these people sent into this thinking, I trust you, God. And know that you know, can you pull up Psalm 139? I think I skipped over it, Bill. This is Psalm 139, seven through 12. Know this, like ingest this this week. Read it to your kids. Go to bed reading it. Wake up reading it. Memorize it in the Greek. 
in the Hebrew, I'm sorry. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. Even there your hand shall lead me and your light shall hold me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me at night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is not is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you, even in COVID-19, even as the virus spreads, even as we can't visit friends, even as money runs out. Those are all places you're with me, even in a season that seems scary with us, even if we're struggling in sickness with us, even when our biggest fears are being realized with us, even when our dreams are dying with us, even when whatever with us, So let's go be the sent people in this season with resolve to know that Jesus is much broader than anything we're gonna walk through, right? Any of this, right? Do we be wise? Yes. And ask yourself the question, how do you be this servant type person to those in your life? In fact, more specifically, this is on your guide. How do you exemplify the selfless, humble regard for others now? How do you do it, right? How do you say no to fear and move into faith and act on that in a way that says Jesus is living and breathing and moving stronger than we've seen in so long? No, we're not meeting in churches, but do we need to be? Do we miss it? Yes, but do we need to be? Is he still alive? Is he still here? He is, and I sense him moving, and I know he's even moving in your families, and he's gonna move us into the future. Come what may, we're going to trust him. He is with us and he knows. I was going to read Psalm 1914 over you. If there's a way to get that on there, Bill, um, man, that would be so awesome. I'm just going to do a stall talk right now. Talk about my love of God and people, my love of the scriptures. There's a Bible. Somebody's telling me there's a Bible over here behind me. Is it moving? Right there. There it is. By the time I open this, the screen will be to where I need it to be, and I'm going to do the thing that I always do when I need to pick a certain Bible, and there it is. This is the Word of God, and it needs to stay within you and within reach. Amen. Amen. All right, when I was at, uh, at school at Lee College at the time, I didn't know how meaningful this would become to me, but this was what we all prayed as we left our services. Um, so I'll say this. We are opening prayer back up after this virtual prayer or just prayer prayer or call prayer. And it's going to work this time. That's what they're telling me. If you called last week, forgive us. We're trying to figure this out. It didn't work. You probably just called for a while. Uh, I know God was faithful. But this week, we're actually going to pray with you. 1130 to 1230, you can call 404-309-7540. That number again is 404-309-7540. And there are going to be people there ready to pray for you. We would love to pray with you. But I'm going to read over you now. If you want to close your eyes or take a seat or just sit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, go before us as you send us. Be with us as we go through valleys. Raise the bones to life that are dying 
and help us to be the gospel people in a very questionable season. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.